In this episode of the Art of Conversation podcast, we speak to Raymond Petty, the founder of Kylo Partners. We cover Raymond's career history and how he founded Kylo Partners, how Kylo grew from a small one-room office to employing over 50 people, the benefits of being a bullhorn partner, and the challenges presented by COVID and how Raymond overcame them. We hope you enjoy. How, how have you personally, and as a business, found the, the work from home, the, the, you know, the remote working piece? Is that, we, is that... we were quite remote anyhow. So we, we have a, an office up in, up in Orkney, on the high street in Orkney. Yeah. And, and that's got the, sort of the technical resources up there. And there's maybe 30 odd people in that office. And the other 25 people are all work from home, maybe two or three pop-in offices every now and again. But we, we were quite a, a disparate organization already. Everything we do is, is in the cloud from day one yeah. and really never been any different. So for, for certain people, it was, um, it was what they did anyway. For others, it was probably what they did three days a week. For the people who used to go to the office, um, it was new for them. They all, we gave them chairs and desks and they took all the kit home and they did whatever. And then I think we're about 25% people ended up wanting to go back into the office just to have a bit. So we're socially distanced and everybody's yeah. two meters apart and in a checkerboard pattern. And um, but I think it's, I think it's been okay. I think yeah. it's been okay. You think you'll, so not, I guess for your organization, not so much as others, but some stuff that you'll probably keep and kind of operationally, will that be the, the model do you think, or do you think when you can, that mass of people will be back in more often than not? Uh, I, I think there'll be a, a new balance and the new balance will be come together when you need to collaborate with people, come to the office if you need to work from the office. Some people work better there because they get more discipline in their life. Other people are actually finding freedom by if you're a developer and you can work different hours, they're, they're probably slightly night birds, maybe more than morning birds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think the balance will, will work itself out. Yeah. The, the, the being in an office and having to turn up at a particular time is maybe something that will never come back. Yeah. Other than you've got a client meeting, you're on a call, you need to be somewhere where you're meeting others. So yeah. I think it's good. Yes, yeah, specific purpose yes. brings you together yeah. into a certain place. But I, I agree. I think it, the, the results are, are more important than how you got there within reason. So. The ends don't yeah. always provide the means, obviously. But if, if people are working, putting quality output out there, yeah. don't stop them. Don't get in their way. Help them. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I think that was maybe one of the things that we were doing uh anyway by challenging by being hey i explained to a client in america or australia hi mr client we're kylo blah and they're like oh it's really cute what kylo kylo's the um the the scottish word for a highland cow and that usually gets a conversation oh scotland do i know where scotland is a friend of mine went there on holiday you have all of that then you try and explain where orkney is and orkney is the dots to the north of scotland <laughs> and they go gee how, how many people live there or oh, well, there's probably 22,000 people live in the Orkney Islands and they'll say, well, there's more people than that in my building. Yeah. 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 Uh, and they go, and then once you go over the fact, yeah, we've, we've had fiber broadband in Orkney forever. It was one of the earliest places to, to get it. It, it was on, it was 4G really quick and they are tried testing 5G and it's a, a microcosm that people are just interested about it. Yeah. And one of the questions I had was, 
it's it's pretty special building a business like yours out of a location like that. Yeah. Um, what, what's what's the history in the background? How how has how have you as an organisation come to be where you are right now? How, how have you arrived on this? Um, I, I guess the the short version is that uh, I used to have a, a company that worked a lot with Bond Adapt, and and that company got sold in July two thousand and fifteen, and. The day after it was announced, there was a guy called Peter Linus, who's the international senior vice president of everything at Bullhorn. Yeah. And he called up and said, hey, Raymond, come and do something like that, but do it for Bullhorn. And it, it, it got called a system integration partner or an SI partner, which was something I'd never heard of. Hmm. And that we, we sort of started. So we, we did a little trip to the US. Bullhorn tried to help us with how it might look. And in the meantime, I had worked on a a big bullhorn project with a guy called Stuart Morgan, who is now my business partner and we set up Kylo together. He was the bullhorn side and I was the client side. Right. And, and, we, and we worked through a project and one day we were coming back on a train from Manchester um, together and we, we sort of looked at and said, hey, we, we've done well on this. We should work together one day. And that was 2011, 12. And we, we kept in touch and then the, the opportunity arose um, the, the opportunity of uh, being an SI partner and then Stuart went, hey, I quite like a bit of that. And he, with uh, Bullhorn's blessing, joined Kylo and that was uh, five years ago. Very good. And, and you, I imagine you've packed a lot into that five years in terms of product development, got a journey, growing the business. Yeah, I, th I think the, if, if we look back to, we do a gathering every year. So using on the Highland gatherings as a, yeah. as a concept, and we bring everybody to Orkney, bring everybody to Orkney. And the very first year we had nine people and we had an office that we'd rented above the soap shop on the high street. Very good. Uh, and we, we set about, but we probably thought we were a big company from the start. Um, and as the various gatherings have, has progressed, we're, we end up with now bringing people from Australia to go to Orkney. Um, and the, the, the way that, We've, we've developed was initially through doing work for Bullhorn uh, on an implementation. So also with Stuart's background, we were able to make either customizations or actually code in order to change the way that Bullhorn behaved for a particular client um, yeah. request. And we, we also had areas where um, there may be a group of customers would like it to behave in a particular way but individually, they couldn't really afford to do the amount of work to get it to that. So we, we bundled that together along with some of our ideas and started made, made that our first product. And our first product was a thing called CV Formatter. CV Formatter was just using um, Bullhorn to format CVs in a way that made it easier for uh, consultants to get, get the candidate out there, get them to the hiring manager quickly and look great. And, and that, that was a product. It's now called Awesome Docs. It's developed into uh, a whole document management platform in its own right, but started by just sticking a logo on a CV and moving things around to make it look great. Yeah. Well, what I like about that is the way you described it is so simple, but actually the impact that using a product like that has for the, for the recruitment companies, the recruiters themselves, but the candidates. Yeah. You know, my CV is better because it went through your platform and probably elevates my chances, even if it's by 5% of getting into, into an interview scenario. Yeah. That's, that's, that's powerful stuff. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we spoke when we were, we were 
chatting previously about life-changing moments of what we aspire to kind of be helping for is you know cloud call we use cloud call as a we don't just give you a phone system we enable you to have life-changing conversations and all of a sudden you move the the way you look at what you're doing and it that you get up in the morning with a completely different spring in your step because of it um so so from that point what how else have you developed the platform your relationship with bullhorn it's, it looks like you know you started in that shop, above a soap shop. That's brilliant. But but now you've you, you know you've got you said thirty five people, fifty five people are growing. Yeah. Twenty five. What's been the bit behind the, the, that growth? What, what else have you been? Uh, so we we had one office above the soap shop, and it was in a little office complex. There were three rooms up the stairs above the soap shop. Eventually, we had all three, and we. Um, just kept adding people so we had data engineers we had developers and then we built through in we had project managers and project managers and business analysts and implementation consultants and it became important that the the project manager or the implementation consultant was nearer the client yeah whilst the technical team it was important that they were together and they could bounce ideas off each other and therefore they could they could do development or data engineering so therefore the 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 developers are all together up in up in Orkney uh, but the client facing team are near us so therefore we we took on um, some desks in Bullhorn London office so we got the opportunity to sit there um, and Bullhorn said hey come and sit here that'll help you get going and we started a couple of days and then we hired somebody and then we had a few people and now we've got five who sit or used to sit in in an office in, yeah. in London we, we then had an opportunity with a, a in the US to set up Kylo Partners Inc, uh, which we did. And we've, we've now got four people in America who concentrate on being the, the project managers, implementation consultants, and a sales guy over there for the American market where the technical work is still done back back in Orkney. Right. And, and then we, we did the same thing down in Australia with a, a lady called Lee Whitaker, who's well known across the industry. She was Broadbean. She was my account manager at Broadbean when I was at Spring. We'd had one of those conversations where, hey, we quite we get on quite well. We should work together one day. Yeah. And sort of ten years on, we did, <laughs> um, and we do. And and I think that that's so we we've sort of followed the opportunity, whilst also trying to create opportunity in our own right by trying to have a, a longer term relationship with any customer that we touch. Yeah. So, what, so whether that's an implementation that then becomes maybe some follow on work if they want to change it, or maybe moving into, hey, we've got some products, they do this sort of thing. Would you like to help form those products into something that would be useful for you? And, and that's sort of really kept on going. Okay. So is, are you, are you, have you always been in recruitment or have you moved I'm an accountant it? by trade. Okay. So I qualified with KPMG, um, went abroad, went to Canada, met my wife there, um, or not wife as then, but eventually yeah. now, um, came, back to the, came back to London, and at a point I was looking to change jobs, went to a recruiter, um, started the recruitment experience, and as part of that conversation with a guy called Simon Hayes, I remember saying, hey, wouldn't it be better if as on his process, which then meant I met his boss and ultimately said, hey, how about you have a job with us? And I, I started this commercial manager for a recruiter called um, FSS, who were great back in the day. Then they got ultimately eaten up by an American business. And we 
yeah, we were pretty good in our day. We were pretty good in our day. And I, I set up a thing called the business management division, which was everything other than sales. So right. business development system stuff through into marketing, through into lead gen, through into candidate generation as, as a, a bit of a, to allow the sales guys to be more productive. Um, and then from there, there was a, an accident one day where I, we'd been bought by an American company. We'd been bought by a company called Spherion and they wanted to put everyone onto the same set of systems in the UK. And I, the IT director left. And I remember being called into the chief exec's office and he said, hey, you do projects. And I was like, yeah, um, why don't you do this one? So instead of me trying to go and acquire businesses to add into the group portfolio, I ended up running an IT project, an IT project that ran for a couple of years or maybe 18 months. We spent two million pounds and ended up with something that was quite transformational of that day for that business. That got me into tech, that got me into projects, that got me into, hey, we can do this better. There are good opportunities and, and away we went. Yeah. And it's really interesting. So we, we've been looking at, obviously this, this whole year has forced people to do things and adapt and evolve in ways that they may have been planning or didn't even realize they were going to have to do. Um, and, I, and I was talking to someone who, who runs some contact centers for a, a well-known supermarket chain. I'm not allowed to okay. name the brand. Of course. Uh, and, and they were telling me that they have done two years of their renovation planning six months. Um, but what they're finding themselves now is the cleanup so they have just rammed this stuff in to keep things going for the customer, but the, yeah. the technical debt and pulling these systems together, that's now where they're going to spend two years. So instead of doing okay. this plan of bring it in, layer it in, make sure the tech stack's building nicely, they've just gone bosh. And now they're going in between each layer and, and smoothing it out. Um, I, think, think I think there's actually a project management technique called that. It, it doesn't really have a name, but it's, you'll spend forever trying to get it right. So you need to get it in there and then fix the bits that are broken. Yeah. So it's, and it's interesting. So we have this saying in marketing that perfection is the enemy. Yes. That, you know, if you spend so long trying to get it perfect and wait for the perfect moment, it will never happen. So just get it out there. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, why didn't it fix it and move on? And do it good enough, better than last time. That's kind of how we approach yeah. it. And, um, with what we're seeing um, obviously, the way businesses communicate and collaborate and work together has had to vastly change. And they've gone out and they've or not rushed. That's not quite that's me doing them an injustice, but they've gone out and they've got Teams or they've got Zoom or they've got Webex. Yes. Yes. And now they're in this place of, right, well, I've got all these disparate. Systems. Yes. Um, and my guys are used to using that now. So I don't want to rip it out. Yep. So how do we now create this tech platform that mm -hmm. keeps productivity, keeps users happy? As we get back to recruiting people, they can be onboarded and, and use it all. Um, so I, I think organizations like yours, hopefully like ours, yeah. we've got a real part to play in bringing those businesses. We've brought them through the, the hard times and kept them going. Now it's how do we scale them and help them, help them evolve. Yeah, I, th I think there's, a, there's, there's an interesting dynamic. So at, at one point I was on the APSCO executive committee. Yeah. And as part of the exec committee, I ran a thing called the Technology Leaders Forum who met once a month or every six weeks and we brought together the, 
the IT directors or the heads of IT of various recruitment businesses and we, we either brought in thought leaders or we brought in people to speak about stuff or we had lively discussions amongst ourselves. And I, I think I remember, must have been maybe, I'll say, I'll say 2013, may have been a couple of years, one side or the other. And, and there was a conversation that was had that actually telephony at that point was about pence per minute. It was all about pence per minute. Yeah. And, and, we, and we had a conversation where the, the point became that the pence per minute call market was no longer important. It was about how well did it fit with your workflow, yeah. with how making your people more efficient. And that actually made the seven pence a minute to a mobile sound absolutely paled into insignificance if it meant you got to call that candidate at the right time for one of your competitors or to make them a job offer or so you could speak to them at night so you could move the process going. Yeah. And, and it sort of moved from being a, hey, how much does it cost to how does it enable us to do our job better? Yeah. Uh, and that, that was a, a, a quite a big flip and not everybody got it. Yeah. Um, and people were maybe still buying on a pence per minute, but then they started, does it integrate with how do you do? Yeah. And therefore that became a combination and it guys opened up everything to you guys about how do you make the process better through the use of communication? Exactly. Not, hey, how much does it cost for a minute? Yeah, definitely. And, and what we see now is it, it was, we've gone from being a business commodity to a value add. Yes. And it's, what's really interesting is it, it's, it's been the kind of the bigger organizations that have led the charge. Um, they, they are happy to invest in services and products and solutions that will save them money, make them money. Whereas some of the smaller ones are still about get it as cheap as possible to keep my cost yeah. low. Um, yeah. And then it's just about helping them adapt to understand that, to your point, it's not about the cost, it's about the return. Yeah, we, 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 did a, we did a webinar yesterday where we brought three of our customers together. And the, and the topic of the thing was document automation. How can you make it work for you? And, and we had a lady who uh, works for one of our clients who works for one of the, one of the big, 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 big companies. And, and she said that the, the document automation work that they had done using some of our tools had changed what people did as their job. So they came in smiling and they were then speaking to candidates. It was uh, um, speaking to candidates about what they could do next, not a paperwork job. Stop being a paperwork job and it, the paperwork was easy to do. It was now about speaking and engaging probably with candidates about whether they would like to extend, what their new rate would be, when were they going to be available, what they learned. It was a real personal development thing and they're now coming in smiling. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Life-changing. You've got uh, yeah. a smile on people's face. Yeah, yeah. That's, 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 that's massive and not easy to do. And we, we get sometimes a little bit caught up in um, what does your template look like and how do you do it? And therefore, we, we put that technical effort in at the beginning. And then we sort of say, okay, well, it must be must be working. And we, we don't also go right back through the, what was your business case? Did we achieve it? And, yeah. we, and we did this exercise recently. And they were going, we'd estimated that we were going to save 50 hours a week by doing this particular thing. And they, did you achieve it? Oh yeah, multiple times. Okay, so you've saved even more. Um, and, and it was just an interesting combination, listening mm -hmm. to people and the, the business benefit of it, because you guys probably know the same as us, that you sometimes get into the tech and you're in the tech and the flow and the setup. 
and real in the hot, the fire of the project and the excitement of getting things to, to go live. And then you maybe move on to the next one and circling back to people um, six months or a year later go, hey, how did we do? Yeah. And when people go, well, this is now normal. This is what we do. We haven't lost. With people who lose things, yeah. we, we were losing documentation and we couldn't then go at the client and say, hey, no, you did sign this contract because we'd lost it. Yeah. So, well, we don't lose things anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess we didn't think you would ever lose things, but now it's automated. It goes in the right place. Everybody can find it. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. But does that speak to you and your organization's entrepreneurial spirit, like that we, we can't stop and look back because we want to keep moving forward? Is that, is that part of it there? The never rest on your laurels? Uh, I, I think that we're, we're, we're lucky that the clients we've got are always willing to contribute to new things. Okay. Um, and there are there are some clients who are very forward thinking, and you end up in the in the conversation. Oh, wouldn't it be great if? Wouldn't it be great if? So so we we ended up actually investing in a product manager. We we had we didn't have a product manager. We we sort of we were a small company and we maybe didn't understand what a product manager was, but but now we see that as an important role in that part of our development, such that they they have somebody to go to and say, look, with uh, with a client in in Florida who challenged us, they wanted to reduce the number of clicks it took them to create a particular piece of documentation that goes to hospital facilities. And as you know, and maybe as we both want, the uh, you wouldn't want any random person getting a job in a hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be quite happy that they were fully qualified yes. and everything had been checked and and the, the challenge that we had was it was taking them 33 clicks to do something and taking an amount of time 20 something minutes for the person could we cut it down and and we, we sort of took that as a, as a little bit of a mantra and they're about to go live on monday with something that's taken the 33 clicks down to seven but actually has automated stuff to reduce error and that was because the client really pushed us. What you've got is what you've got is good. We'd like it to be better. What yeah. you've got is good. We'd like it to be better. Yeah. And and that became a, a a mixture of a product and product innovation, but also services, so that we were looking at their overall workflow, not actually doing what they'd asked, but trying to understand the purpose and the real requirement. And then through a mixture of um, services and product. They, they go live and they're, they're doing some really, really clever stuff. Yeah. But client-led, you know, customer-led. It, it, so it has to be. It has to be. Has yeah, to be. I was going to say, uh, without that, you, you're kind of doing the, the, the product equivalent of a house building sand. I, I, think you're, I think you're right there. And the, as, as much as our techs can come up with brilliant ideas, and they do, not all of them have a great commercial output, and others then really catch on really quickly. Mm. Uh, and then clients get it, and then they, they they want to move on. Yeah, it's interesting. We we, we you know we we've only been going seven years, uh, and I think sometimes and I've only been there for two and a bit. And I think yeah. some of the people that have been there for longer forget that it's still only been seven years. Um, and, and to your point about being a small company, and it's very easy to say, well, we need a product manager and we need a marketing team. I mean, small businesses haven't got the resource to do that. Um, but it's the, the crucial thing, and it sounds like you've done it, recognizing when and where we can start bringing these, these skill sets in. And you know, it sounds like that you, you've done the product side, that's already yielding results. You've got clients coming to you saying, help me do this, solve this problem. 
we've got this uh, phrase of jobs to be done. What jobs yes. do our clients have? That we need to, how can we help them do it and do it quicker and faster? Yeah. And once you put that at the front of everything you do, it, it just clicks. Yeah. Uh, the, we, we are, I think we're fortunate because we're that blend of services and product. And we, we get to have very open conversations with customers who are moving from A, another system, onto Bullhorn, as yeah. an example. And as part of that transition from one product to another, you get to ask very open questions about the process they currently have and the process they would like, and maybe where things can be done to either make it easier reduce the risk of something not happening, not being followed properly. And therefore you can, you can map workflows anew. And sometimes in, in that open conversation that you can have with people, ideas come out. Yeah. Um, yeah. And being, being able to say, here's a new, here's a new greenfield site that just happens to be a new bullhorn database. How would you like it to work for you? Sometimes we have to say, well, that's not really best practice. And it would be better if you maybe did this instead. And that saves you a little bit of money, keeps it more normal, but also allows the, you, we don't want to do anything that would ever um, get in the way of them adding in you as a marketplace partner or adding in Cube or TextKernel or one of the other marketplace partners. So we, we've got to sort of go, hey, if you do that, that's maybe taking you a little bit off track. So it'd be better if you maybe stayed here. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I know that you've done you've done uh, a pod, one of these podcasts with um, with Brian yeah. um, over Alan and and he's he's moved that and moved that and moved that and yeah. said okay we need to get more efficient more efficient more automated how can it be what's the best value yeah. and, and challenged us sometimes to to do some things that we haven't thought of and equally we've gone we could do this as well yeah. and uh, yeah. and gone from there. But and someone like Brian, great guy, almost the perfect customer because he does, he challenges you to help him solve his problems. But when, when you do help him, he will sing your praises from the rooftop. Yeah. You know, yeah. so it, it's give and take with, with a customer like Brian. You can't ask for a, for a better <laughs> customer, really. I was going to ask you about, about Bullhorn and the relationship you guys have got with Bullhorn. Yeah. I think it's a fantastic organization. Mm -hmm. um, Art Papas and the, the band is, I, I'm so jealous every time, you know, the, the virtual events that they're doing where we, they're just a really cool organization, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I, th I think we, um, we're, we're quite lucky in that we've sort of grown with them, and you, maybe you're, you're the same. That um, I, I was, uh, I, my first, my first um, hearing of, of Bullhorn was when Barry Hinckley, who was one of the founders, came across to the UK in order to, de to determine whether it was a product that would work here. And at the time I was working at Spring and he wanted to do me a demo of a new um, ATS. And he came to our office on Bouvray Street. I remember it well. And he said, can I have a Wi-Fi code? And I looked at him like, yeah, what's a Wi-Fi code? Because the office didn't have an open Wi-Fi code that a visitor could come in and see. Yeah. And, and he didn't have a port on his computer to go onto our network and we probably wouldn't have let him. So we went into the demo in the McDonald's across the road. So we went to the McDonald's Wi-Fi across um, on Fleet Street and, and he started to show me. And the Wi-Fi was that bad, it was running really slow. But at the time it was like, yeah, there's something in this. There's really something in this. That then developed into him hiring Peter Linus and then the international team um, grew and grew. And then we got to 2015 and we sort of joined the party as their um, second cousin as such. 
um, being there as, as somebody that was able to work directly with customers in the implementation of, of Bullhorn. Yeah. But they, they, they do some cool things. Um, they're, I'm not sure if you've been in their office in, in Boston, but they, they, they've got a wonderful eating area and uh, the, the, the typical tech of free breakfast and food and beer and coffee and you name it, it's, it's yeah. there. And, and a great space for, for people to socialize in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, and I think they what Bullhorn have done, they've, they've kind of built this um, gravitational pull of technical partners around them, so you, you know, yourselves, us, but cubes of this world. Mm. Um, and one of the things I really like, when you go to one of their, their events, but also you go to just one of the bigger recruitment expos, and there is this, I, I describe it as a gravitational pull where all these people, there's no competitive nature, we're all in it together to help a Bullhorn customer get better and better and better. Um, yeah. It, 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 I don't think it exists in anywhere else. But it may be because I've just not seen it. It's it's a great space at one of the one of the Bullhorn events for meeting people, meeting customers, meeting prospects, but other marketplace partners or other partners. And we've um, we've got a number of sort of partnerships of, of other partners that we work with and work with well. That we know that the output for the client is good, mm. so we can be comfortable that that combination is going to work. Therefore, we sort of make sure we don't do anything that gets in the way of it. Yeah. And then similarly, there'll be the new upstart who's got two guys and they're coming up with a great idea that you can meet. And, and we, we've helped a couple of people with how to integrate or how to get ready for a marketplace combination. Yeah. And it's, it's an exciting time. It's an exciting yeah. time to see, see different things coming. Yeah. And then we, we attend... Um, we, we attend all of them. We've got businesses in all the locations. And the, the, the interesting thing is that the differences sometimes that there are American businesses that exist that just wouldn't fly in the UK at all. Agreed. Yeah. And there are then things down in Australia that sometimes you go, hey, that's neat. That would translate really well back in the UK, but it's a long way to go and a big risk for them to take on. And then there's a level of compliance down in Australia that we see that might come here one day, mm. um, but, it, but it's very regulated. And therefore there are businesses that deal around proving, um, proving your readiness to work uh, is something that we don't have here yet that maybe we'll have here one day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you never know. But I, I think all, all things, slightly very different variants of it, but compliance and regulation, I think, I think it's just going to get tighter and tighter. Uh, which isn't, isn't necessarily a bad thing because if you do things properly, you should never fall foul of that. Sort of thing. Uh, and, and I think that's where quality sort of comes to the fore. Or equally, people who have given it some thought can make sure that it fits neatly and it'd be reassuring for a candidate as well as a company yeah. that they're working with to yeah. see those compliance gates being gone through. Yeah. Maybe if I go back to the, the hospital idea, you, you really wouldn't want an unregulated or a person who's maybe on the um, the watch list that the um, GMC have, you wouldn't want them being the doctor mm. that you meet or any member of your family meets. So yeah. I think that there's important parts, but equally I think there's now an expectation from, from candidates that they, they've also got to be aware that you, you're not gonna do something with their data, you're not gonna fall foul of, of any data things and there's a little bit more privacy as well as being able to prove um, that you are qualified in what you do, and therefore that that's almost become the normal. So if you're not doing that, then 
maybe you don't get as many opportunities as businesses who are doing it as part of the yeah. normal process. It's interesting when you think about it. You, you, during an interview and hiring process, the company that you're going for, they're not allowed to ask you your date of birth, your address. Yeah. But the recruitment how much you earn. How much you earn. But the recruitment agent's got all of that. Yes. So you're, you, put, you do put, as a candidate, you put an enormous amount of trust and faith in them to do the right thing. Um, I never thought about it until you just raised it. But yeah, yeah. the number of yeah. recruitment firms have got more personal details about me on their files than I've probably realised. Yeah, I think that we're, we're probably seeing people who have your birth date, not your year of birth. Yeah, yeah um, and yeah. and we will, and we are seeing, um, depending on the integrations you've got, the the data may live, some of it may live in Bullhorn, some may live in the in the payroll system that you're using, or it may live somewhere else, and and there's um, that's maybe where your ta- tech stack starts coming together as having the the most appropriate data in the right place. Yeah, one of the the interesting things that Bullhorn did was the encryption fields as well as the fields that, that are only accessible by people of a particular type. So your, your um, DPO can see them and maybe your system admin can see them, but no one else can see them because they are personal information that could yeah. be used in a way to, to create an identity. Yeah, there's some big business to be done there if you get that piece right, I think. Yeah, um, no, I, th- I think it's probably an area that's going to evolve a little bit and I think everybody or there, there was certainly a time when people thought hey LinkedIn's going to do it all or the job boards are going to do that would do it all and um, every three four five years something else comes through but the, the people who use the balance of tools and use the balance of applications and get them joining together well are the people who excel as opposed to maybe putting all your eggs in one basket so I think there's a maybe maybe going back to the the marketplace concept. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a sort of believer in best in class. Yeah. Rather than sort of maybe being good at one part, but you've got to put up with things being not so good in other areas. I've always been a big believer in best in class. Uh, best in class that you can afford. Because you may not be able to afford, hey, I'd really love to drive a Bentley. Maybe yeah. I wouldn't, but I'd really yeah. like to drive something that I can't afford. So therefore, it's not the best in class for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and some it's of those job to be done, well. isn't it? It's back to yeah, job to be totally. done. You know, a, a Ford Fiesta will get the job done that I need right now, and by doing that job now, I can afford a Bentley in five years. Um, and, and and for me, it's all about do the golf clubs fit in the boot? Oh, well, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm coming back to golf in a second. Okay. One of the things that has come up when I've literally done every single one of these other podcasts is the importance of the partner network that you have that surrounds your business. Um, and I think you you summed up really really well. Go out and find people who can do that bit really well. Who will work with people who do that bit really well. They wrap around you so you can do your bit really well. And it's the business that have got that set up and have embraced even things like recruiting and working with a recruitment firm rather than trying to do it in-house. I think people underestimate what good recruitment looks like. And you find the right people who have set up with the right technology, like Kylo. Um, they're, they're such a valuable part of your partner ecosystem because the, it's the, the time save, the candidate quality. Um, and we, I think the businesses that have got that bit right during this pandemic and they're going to continue to invest in that now, they'll be the ones in three, four, five years' time who have really just accelerated away from the, from the pack. Um, yeah. I've, I've got a, an interesting line that I, I use sometimes. And uh, there's, there's, there's a, because I'm, I'm getting much older, Therefore, I know more people, and I have some people just say, hey, Raymond, what do you think of this? And my line is, 
oh, it'd be interesting to see that work, which is my way of going, I'm not sure that's going to work. Mm. Uh, yeah. And th there are, there are uh, good, solid combinations that are referenceable and I can point people to and go, hey, you need to go and see them because they've done some really great stuff. Yeah. And, then, and then people might go, what about this and this? Yeah, I'd like to see that work. Yeah, and, and, you, and yeah. you go from there. There's yeah. also a, there's also probably a, a a good group of people who are who probably trust each other, and and trust each other to tell it straight, and don't always have to win every deal, because there are some there are some relation some customers who um they they just work in a different way. So some some of the some of the products or some of the things just aren't going to be a natural fit. So it's best not to try. Yeah. Do you find in the recruitment sector that uh, the, the, you would expect them to be more competitive with each other, but actually when you get them all in a room, they share ideas, they've got similar challenges, so they, can't, they are open to sharing and discussing and embracing, you know, your problem is probably my problem, how have you gone about it? Um, I work with Kylo, I work with CloudCall. Um, I've never seen that in other sectors before, but this one seems to be actually more close-knit at that level. I, th I think there's a, there's a maturity and there's a maturity of business who are very open in their problems because really everyone's got a similar problem. They may not have the same problem, got a similar problem. And, and I think that they're, they're open to sharing problems or things that they may see coming down the track that everyone needs to consider. And it's, it's, a, it's a small world and people go round and round. And the... You, you can't really make a bad sale and it not find its way into into the world. So therefore, that, I think that means that everybody shares stuff and everybody shares. I don't think anyone's ever sharing any um, intellectual property. No. But, but at a high level, hey, this is a problem. How have you dealt with it? Oh, I've thought about them. I've thought about that. I've maybe done this. I've had a go at that. Go and have a look. Yeah. And, and people are very open to sharing that. Yeah. Which is great, and I think especially during again during a six month period that we've had, every every piece of help is welcome. Um, yeah, absolutely, and and I know that we've we've chatted with you guys, we've chatted with some of the other marketplace partners, and um, in particular, but how have you dealt with this? And that was like, how did you go about maybe getting government help? How did you go about with the follow scheme? How have you dealt with customers that are um, maybe downsized quite a lot? How have you dealt with it? Just to make sure that we're, we're doing the right thing to, to help people through because there are there are um, clients that we've seen that have downsized a lot who are really good businesses and they'll come right back up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and we, we adopted um, an interesting approach or certainly, certainly a very open approach, which was if any customer was smaller than us, we would help them. Right. If any customer was bigger than us, they should help us. And, and we use that as a, a, a discipline. And equally, we've, um, we've actually done some really inventive work during this period where new problems have existed. Mm. Uh, one of them was, how do you measure the productivity of the people you've got working from home? Yeah. And we said, well, here's a working from home report that you can use because it's not only about what you did, but when you did it and how can you, how can you help? And that was for self-management of people as well as um, managers being able to get through that first time when they've they can't see the people in their team. Yeah, they're yeah. remote and they can't have them on camera all the time. Yeah, and if they see they've done the numbers, but 
how did you do the numbers? What did you do? How can I help? And maybe you guys must have seen that when people listening in or looking to old calls and going back through them. Must have yeah. been amazing uptake on that. Yeah. Yeah, we, we during that initial period, we, we had a lot of customers putting new users on, asking for extra training, refreshing their knowledge of how the reporting and analytics work for precisely that reason. It's the, how do I keep the product productivity stable at worst? You know, yeah. there's going to be some disruption, but we've got to keep, keep things going. And we, we had a similar thing of, there is no point holding a customer to a bill that they can't afford for the next six months yeah. if they're not going to be a customer in seven months' time. Um, yeah. and, and, and I think recruitment is typically one of those sectors that first into a recession, but one of the first out. Um, and, and it's already starting to come back. So mm. uh, I, had a, I had a really interesting thing that I remember vividly, and this is probably going back to, I'm old enough to remember the problems that happened in 2000, 1999-2000 as well as obviously the global financial crisis in eight. But I heard it around the time of 2000 and 2000, 2001. And at that point, there was an economist who said, and he'd proved it through evidence, and I think it's probably stuck since, that the recruitment sector is at a seven times multiple to GDP. So if GDP goes up 1%, recruitment will go up seven. If GDP falls by 1%, recruitment will fall seven right and i think as we saw gdp fall by seven eight nine percent some recruiters went to zero yeah. and then we've seen people bounce back in in a way that we go back two or three percent and then all of a sudden they're kicking right back into their numbers so i yeah. think it i think it is i think yeah. your point's good yeah and it's just you know be partners be yes be be kind you know respectful of each other and we all come through at the other side so, golf. Yes. How, how did you get on in your, in your club tournament? Not as well as I would have liked. Right. Is the the polite manner. Um, <laughs> I, I uh, Rather than coming in the top 25, I think I came in the bottom 25. And 83-83 uh, isn't really what you'd expect from somebody playing off seven. No, no. Consistent. I, I had a day when the, when the putter didn't quite work. And uh, yeah, sometimes that happens. Sometimes yeah. that happens. Yeah, but golf's great, isn't it? Uh, it's, it right. it's a love. It's a great leveler, and it's it's a sort of game where uh, there's no airs and graces really. It's if you if you can hit it and find it and hit it and find it, I'll play with you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then there are other people who it's it's a it's a multiplier of what what people are maybe like under stress. Yeah. Um, you get some people who shout and throw things and then there are other people who just, you, you don't know whether they're playing well or playing badly. And I, and I think it's a, it's a great, a great thing. And I've loved it since I was a kid, since I took it up at age of 10 or 11. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I love golf. I've played since probably a similar age, but I just don't get out nearly every, literally every year, my new year's resolution is to play more golf. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, this year I think I've played six times. Yeah. Okay. Which is just not good enough. So, um, it's on my, I am going to do it next year. I'm going to make double figures of rounds next year. Um, and let's you and I try and make that one, Definitely. Of, the, one of the 10. Well, well, they're just, well, they're just about to change the handicapping system. Oh, are they? Yes. So the oh, handicapping like. system is being revised and it's being revised to be the average of your eight best scores of your last 20. Right. Okay. And that's going to be a global standard rather than different across thing. And it's going to take into account the difficulty of the course you're playing as well as the par. 
Interesting. Will that have much of an effect on you? Do you think? I was trying to work that out. I tried to say to one of the guys after the game, "Hey, I might get a handicap at twelve, and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah you're not going to get twelve. But it's a, it's a, it's an, an interesting thing, and it, yeah. it meant because when we were in the US, people were like, "Hey, what's your slope?" And I, I don't know what the slope rating is of the course yeah. I've got. I didn't really understand it. I knew that the course I play up in Scotland is a place called Cruden Bay, and it's really hard. And of the courses I play near here, one of them's much easier, and the other two are probably medium hard. Yeah. But how uh, do you yeah. actually give it? Oh, is it one fifteen, one twenty-five? I'm like, you know what? I don't know. Never even heard of that, no. Yeah, I don't. No, yeah, no, it's it's coming your way soon. I look forward to that game of golf because um, yeah. golf golf's still on. And yeah. You're not that far away. No, that's so, what I'm thinking. So now so I, that's I just possible. you were up in Orkney Island. So, so no. now I know you. It's freezing. Right, well, I did think golf there would be a. Yeah. Sideways. <laughs> yeah. So yes, we we are not far apart. So we will find somewhere and we'll make it mm. happen. Well, maybe we can do a home and away. Yeah, let's do that. And you know what? I I think I uh, I uh, we hired a CTO six months ago, and he is golf mad as well. Oh. Um, and I how's that how's that going to work then? I can't so, see how that would work. You know, I I, I think <laughs> it would be be remiss of me to not introduce you to uh, uh, at the first tee of a golf course. Fantastic. In some sort of you know pyramidy shape that meets in the middle. Fantastic. Uh, then will, maybe I'll, maybe I'll uh, there's there's one of the there's one of the bullhorn boys that's uh, my sort of work golf buddy. So maybe we'll get Tim O'Brien to come along it too, and we'll have a, a proper good game. Old good old good stuff. Yeah. Right. But if we can do it this side of Christmas, even better. Yeah. Well, yeah. let's let's see if we can. We'll make it happen. Great my stuff. place is my place is open. Minchin okay. Hampton. Minchin Hampton. It's called. I'll I'll take a note. I mean, I think my CTO he he'd drive anywhere for. Oh well. Again, that work. so if we can make that work even better good man great stuff thank, thank you, you very much take care speak soon cheers bye bye